0: I know we, we have to be very careful when we start using those terminologies because you can take it too far. You can make God somehow your BFF, and 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 that's not ever supposed to be. He's still God, holy. He's still God. Just the the mercy, the grace, the majesty. I I, I want it. I don't ever want it to be that I lose my awe of Him. I lose my awe of God. But I, I, as you know, and and I've, I've wrestled with this today. I'm gonna preach to you, teach to you, I don't know, we'll, we'll figure out how it comes by the end of it, and you can tell me whether I preached or taught, uh, but I, I wrestle because this year I've kind of changed a little bit of my my study habits, and so if you are one that really remembers the sermons, you kind of go, man, pastor, you've really spent a lot of time in in kind of the, the Old Testament, and that's okay, because I'm, I'm just watching and seeing how the Lord does, and when I get past that, I'll spend a lot of time other places too, but um, but you know it's it's interesting as I flip through the pages of the Bible, <clears throat> I see that God has always desired to be near man. He's always desired that. In fact, when it, when it, and it came time, and I'm gonna just you're gonna have to just kind of let me go. I'm not I don't have notes like I normally do with when I type them all out. So you should see the notes that I've I've put in the in the Bible in the margins. So I'm kind of out of my comfort zone. I like. 11 or 12 pages worth of notes And I can get to it But So just hang with me as I sort of warm the engines up And we get going But when you look at, at the creation and God having spoke everything into existence, the world, but he was not content to speak man into existence. Instead, he got his own hands dirty, if you will, as he formed man from the dust of the earth. And then the Bible says he breathed life. He breathed into man, and man became a living soul. And from that day forth, for, for a while, you have an a interaction between God and man. I don't understand it all, and some of it is very interesting because when you begin to get into it, you find that man is getting lonely. And he says, I, I, I'm lonely. I, I know I can talk to you, but I need something else. And so in this loneliness of man, God let every animal pass before him. I don't know if that was to pick a, a, a someone that, that would uh, fill that loneliness, and I'm so glad that, that Adam did not find any animal to satisfy his loneliness. And so he names every animal as it comes by. And then God causes Adam to fall asleep. And as Adam's asleep, he takes a rib, he forms woman, and Eve is born. The understanding in the Old Testament is that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. That there was a communion and there was a connection that man had that was severed by sin. When when that old uh, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, however you want to call him... When that separation came from their sin, now suddenly God and man are at odds with each other. Yet even then, God goes looking for him. Adam, Adam, wherefore art thou, Adam? Of course, Adam hiding, scared, guilt and shame is there and it's, it's racking them. They don't want to face God in their sinful state. But God sees them, God finds them. And of course they had tried their own manner of covering their their shame and their sin up. They had taken fig leaves and clothed themselves with with some sort of foliage. But of course you know you take a leaf off the vine and it's going to begin to shrivel and die. And in my own perhaps imagination... I see Adam and Eve not with beautiful, uh, uh, perfectly crafted, you know, garments full of uh, with, with leaves. We've seen lately, you know, they make wedding dresses out of toilet paper. I don't know if you've ever seen that. You can use some pretty. In- Uh, off the wall objects to make something beautiful I don't believe this was finely tailored uh, leaves like Peter Pan might wear or something of that nature but instead I see them starting to crumble I see the leaves starting to curl I see them fading and what they tried to cover themselves with is not doing the job but if you'll let me just read this verse to you because we're going to come back to it in a moment but the Bible curses, Jesus curses the serpent. The Lord God said to the serpent, verse 14 of Genesis chapter 3, Because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock, cursed above all the beasts of the field, and on your belly shall you go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Both of those are a deadly wound. Uh, if If you know the venom in a snake, it really doesn't matter where the snake bites you, the venom slowly begins to kill you. But the difference is this. We understand that that verse talks about Jesus. That one day born of a woman would come our Savior. We'll get past Thanksgiving, and you'll start uh, perhaps getting in the Christmas mood, and you'll start hearing, O little town of Bethlehem, all of that you can trace back to Genesis chapter 3. That one day born of the woman will come a a Savior Christ the Lord. And, And while he will have to die, That death is not going to be permanent. That death is not going to be final. Three days later, he's going to rise again, and we'll start celebrating Easter, if you will. But Satan, you will have lost the sting. Death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Because in that resurrection of Jesus Christ and that triumph over death once and for all, then there will finally be a way that you and I can get back into relationship with God. But I want to take you on a journey, a journey that, that I've been on for, for really a few months. And each, each honestly, every service I, I, I have this to preach and just haven't had that moment. So will you give me uh, time today to preach to you? I want you, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus. And I want you to turn to the book of Exodus chapter 3. And I want you to look at verse 12. And and, and this is very familiar. I've preached many sermons, different sermons, on the burning bush experience that Moses had. But I want to show you something uh, that I have never really spent time on. Uh, And so, uh, verse 11, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you. Watch this. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. That word you, in fact, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, but I'm assuming, Brother Andy, that this is the King James behind me. And that word you are that word "ye." We have to understand that in the Hebrew language, they, there, there's, not, there's one word, and that one word, you, know, you can have one word, but it can mean singular or plural. And here that you is not talking about Moses only. When you begin to read and research that and understand the tenses that, that the, uh, the Hebrew language has, God never intended for Moses to be the only one that gets to be in the presence of God. And so, if you'll just trust me on this, and and you can go and study it yourself, but I don't have time to give you the whole Hebrew uh, alphabet and the Hebrew ways that they uh, indicate tenses. But this verse is supposed to mean that all people were going to serve God on the mountain. If you have your Bible still open, would you turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 19. The Bible, you know, after Moses and the children of Israel, those ten plagues, uh, they they leave Egypt, and it's going to take time for for the this incredible group of people to to leave Egypt. There, it's it's slow. How many of you, and they've re, they've come back out with it now, but how many of you remember playing? on the, the old computers that did not really have color. It was just a green screen. How many of you remember the Oregon Trail? Did any of you ever play the Oregon Trail? I loved playing the Oregon Trail. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. I thought that was cutting edge. I thought that was just amazing that you could get on a computer and play that. And then you look at everything that happened, uh, happens now and all of the uh, 4K colors and, and that. But you'd play the Oregon Trail. And you know from playing the Oregon Trail, that it took time to get from from Independence, Missouri, St. Joseph's, Missouri, that was kind of the launching place, to Oregon. How many of you lost loved ones on the Oregon Trail? I don't even know what it was, but they died of dysentery. Or or you would would try to go fast, and you're like, I'm going to beat it, I'm going to go fast, and then your wheel would fall off the wagon. Or you'd go slow and you'd get caught in the in the in the snowstorm, and uh, all of that. Well, can you imagine how you you know how long it would take for a wagon train? That I think some of the big wagon trains may have had a hundred wagons, but most of them were a lot smaller, from what I understand. But can you imagine how hard it would have been where when? And and of course the Oregon Trail, they could stop at a fort and get some supplies, or they could trade with the Indians, or they could. Uh, uh, Maybe there was an outpost. But can you imagine some million, two million plus people having to get and go places? It took time. In fact, the Bible indicates here in in Exodus chapter 19 that it was on the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. You have one pretty much one new moon a month. And so this would indicate some two or three months has passed. From them leaving Egypt and going into uh, the wilderness. And I want you to look for a moment. And I want you to follow with me. I want you to be able to see what I'm seeing. They set out from Rephidim. And they came to the wilderness of Sinai. And they encamped in the wilderness. And there Israel encamped before the mountain. While Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him out of the mountain saying. I'll get there in a moment. That burning bush experience that Moses had was on Mount Sinai. Moses was going back to a familiar place in his life, and it was where God had called him. This was the place that there, with the burning bush burning, God said, I'm gonna, this is gonna be a sign to you. You and all of those children of Israel will worship me upon this mountain. Now they're there. The mountain rises in front of them. They're encamping around about it, and Moses goes up. And God speaks to him out of the mountain, saying, Verse, uh, still verse three, Thus saith the Lord of Jacob, Tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Remember, God always desires relationship. God always is seeking whom He can save. The Bible says He has come to seek and to save those who are lost. The Bible, every time you turn around, it seems every story, even when God had to punish the children of Israel and send them to an exile in Babylon or an exile in Assyria, even then you find those prophecies, but I will bring you back unto Myself. How many of you parents, and I understand that we, we you need to discipline your kid. Half of the things that we see in this world today is because parents don't want to discipline their kids and so we've got an entire generation that's never heard the word no and that's the same ones that are crying in the streets and they have to have their little cry rooms at college. So help me out, parents. We know we need to discipline our kids. They need to hear the word no. Have you ever got that moment where, where, and and by the way, this is this is free. You don't have to pay for this. But uh, if you're going to tell your kids, you're going you're going to punish them, and, and you you know don't make empty threats. You got to follow through, right? Say amen. Have you ever though, parent, your child has done something wrong, and I'm talking about really wrong, and you have had to to punish them, ground them, whatever it might be, and they are they are truly repentant not just because they got caught but they really know they've done wrong have you ever been in the other room wishing you could unground them yeah zane has just um discovered the love of video games we've had an xbox for quite some time but he's really loving it and 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 we're playing a game that i played back uh you know in my 20s and so he and i are playing and the other day my wife threatened to ground Zane and I kinda said, Oh wait, wait, hold on, because that means I can't play. So let's <laughs> hold on. But have you ever have you ever really been there? You know those children needed to be corrected, but even then it's hurting you because you want to bring them back. It's the same thing with God. It was absolutely a necessity that the children of Israel go into captivity and bondage to Babylon and to Assyria. But even then, God is sitting there and He knows there's a time, if you will. And I'm making it very elementary, but it was a time of grounding. It was a time of, of discipline. But even then, the Lord could not wait for that period of time to be done so He could call His people back. God is a God of relationship. But let's keep going. Verse 5 of Exodus chapter 19. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all of the earth is mine. Look at verse 6. This is so incredible. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is in Exodus. This is the Old Testament. But he was promising them, he says, I want you to be a, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Those of you that have any knowledge of the Bible, does this verse ring a bell anywhere in things that you've heard? Does this verse ring a bell? Let me help you out. Turn with me to the book of Second, or rather, of 1 Peter chapter 2. This is what this year God has, I'm so thankful, is the way that the Lord can help us put verses together. To not see the Bible as some disjointed book with a verse here and a verse there and chapters and divisions, but to realize it all fits together. Alright, let me, let, me, let me go back. I'm going to give you time. I'm, I'm doing it slow because I want you to get it. He says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's what he told the children of Israel. Fast forward several thousand years and you get, Peter uh, saying, but you are, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous night light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now this is not talking of the children of Israel now. This is talking of you and I. Those that have tasted of His Spirit. Those that have tasted the waters of baptism. You went down in the name of Jesus and you have been saved. It's the same exact thing. God has always desired a kingdom of priests. A royal priesthood. So here it is on top of Mount Sinai that God looks at the children of Israel and He says, I don't want you to be a a person or a people that has a priesthood, a one priest. I don't want you to be someone that, that you have to go to a priest in order to get to the holiest of holies. God's desire was everyone should have access to me. These were the words He told Moses to speak to the people of Israel. Verse 7. So Moses came and he called the elders of the people and set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, verse 9, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and may believe you forever. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of the Lord. And so Moses, uh, uh, continuing verse 9, Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, verse 10, Go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Say with me, say all the people. All All of the people. And you will set limits uh, around the people saying take care. Don't go up into the mountain." nor touch the edge of it. For whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch of him, or he'll be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. And when the trumpet sounds, they shall go up to the mountain. Now, I preached it, and I I know others have preached it, and there is a truth there. But can I tell you the fact that they were not to touch the mountain was not ever supposed to be a forever commandment. The key was, guys, we're fixing to go meet the Lord. But you don't meet the Lord haphazardly. Go back to the to the story of Esther, where she was going to go into the king's court, and this is a human story. But she was going to go to the king's court before she ever went to the king's court. What did she do? She got her her her. Uh, maids together and she said we're going to pray and we're going to fast because you don't just enter into the king's court haphazardly. We're going to make sure I'm clean. I'm going to put on my best clothes. I'm going to make sure my hair is done just right because when I get into the presence of the king I want to be at my very best. These bounds around the mountains, these commandments of don't touch the mountain was always supposed to be a three day thing. We're going to take three days, and we're going to consecrate ourselves so that we can go meet the Lord. The key was, be ready for that third day. Be ready for that third day. Moses, verse 14, Moses went down from the mountain and to the people and he consecrated the people and they washed their garments and he said unto the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. Again, this was part of that cleansing ritual. They didn't want anything to cause them to be unclean when they walked into the presence of an almighty God. I know I keep saying it, but I'm going to tell it to you again. God always desires relationship. And on the morning of the third day, verse 16, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain and Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on fire and the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder and Moses spoke and God answered him in thunderings, and the Lord came down on top of Mount Sinai, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Where were the others? Where did the other people go? Why right now is it only Moses at the top of the mountain? If God wanted all to come, why didn't they come? verse 21 the Lord said to Moses go down and warn the people lest they break through the Lord to look and many of them perish and let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves lest the Lord break out against them and Moses said to the Lord the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai you said set limits around the mountain and consecrate it and the Lord said unto him go down and bring up Aaron with you but do not let the high priest or, or, or the priests and the people break through to come up the Lord lest he break out against them and Moses went down to the people and he told them and then the very next chapter you start in the ten commandments and you start about the laws about the slaves and all of that i want to tell you something i want to show it to you I want you to look at deuteronomy chapter 4 want you turn there with me if you don't mind deuteronomy chapter four and I promise I'm getting somewhere. I want you just to hang tight for a moment. Deuteronomy chapter four. This is God talking again and, and, and Moses is relating the words of God. Look at verse uh, look at verse 10. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words, and they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and they may teach their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven wrapped in darkness and cloud and gloom. And then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire and you heard the words but saw no form and there was only a voice and he declared to you his covenant which he commanded you to perform. Now I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. I want you to look at verse 2. It's kind of the same thing. And the Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Not, with our fa- not only with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us who were all here alive today. And the Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, while I stood between you and the Lord at that time to declare the word of the Lord. And here's the key. For you were afraid because of the fire and you did not go up into the mountain. When Moses went by himself, the others were afraid. The trumpet sounded and they trembled. And Moses went up by himself. And so God said, now Moses, you're going to have to be the mediator. And I am absolutely convinced that the, the, what, what God had in store for the people began to change. God wanted them to be a kingdom of priests. God wanted them to have a freedom to come into his presence. But because when they had the chance to go, they stopped. The Lord said, fine, I'm going to make you a kingdom of one high priest. And that connection, that closeness that you have with God, you're not going to have for a long, long time. In fact, if you want to see the presence of God, about the closest you can get is when you bring your sin offering. And you come to the priest and he's going to kill that sin offering. And then you'll watch that priest walk behind the veil. And you'll always wonder what it was like behind the veil. Because you chose not to go up. In fact, you'll find another place in the book of Exodus. You'll, you'll find another place where, if, if you recall, earlier we read that they said everything the Lord spoke we will do. But you will find if we continue this story, and I don't have time to do so, but you would find if we continued the story that very quickly the children of Israel, they said to Moses, Moses, we don't want to hear from God anymore. We're too scared of His presence. Moses, you go talk to God, and then you come back and tell us what He said. Can I remind you again, God always wants relationship. You say, Pastor, why did you give us this lesson? Why are you moving so slow on a Sunday morning? It's real simple. I want to ask you one question. It's going to be the title that you can put on the, on the website for what I'm preaching today. What are you going to do when the trumpet sounds? I'm here to tell you today that God, uh, we know, now now listen, if everything would have changed and, and if they would have gone up to the mountain, perhaps that law that God gave Moses, I'm convinced would be a little bit different than what we see. It would not have been such a distance between God and man had they chosen, but still even that, even if they would have obeyed God perfectly. It's, it, it still would be necessary for Jesus to come. I want to make sure I'm very clear of that. That if they would have done everything they were supposed to do, there still would have had to be an incarnation and there still would have to be a death because it was promised all the way back in the book of Genesis to Adam and Eve. But th- they missed out an incredible opportunity to be in the presence of God. Today, you and I have that same opportunity. I read to you what God told the children of Israel. I want you to be a kingdom of priests. I want you to be a nation unto me. And then I read what God wants you and I. You're a, whole, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Those are the same things and today God calls to you and I and he's saying to you and I will you be willing to come up to where I am? Would you take a moment and consecrate yourself? Would you take a moment and repent of your sins and ask him to forgive you? Would you take a moment to walk through the waters of baptism so that your sins could be forever washed away but at the end of that I want you to come to where I am because you are my treasured possession. You you are my holy nation a royal priesthood what are you going to do do you come to church just so you can hear the preacher preach do you come to church just so you can scratch off a list of some uh, uh, maybe a, a, you know hey I went to church I'm okay no. God always wants a relationship with you when's the last time You raised your hands and you begin to talk to your Lord. And he came down in such a mighty way that it felt as if he physically wrapped his arms around you. When's the last time you felt the presence of God? If you haven't felt that in a long time, you're in a dangerous place because God desires a relationship with you. God never desired for us to only come to church and clap our hands and sing our song and hear a sermon. God says when you come into my presence, I want to speak to you. That's the beauty of God. He can speak to me and he can speak to you and he can speak to you all at the same time and tell us a little bit different thing because he knows where you're at and he knows what you're going through and he knows what I'm going through. That's why I love preaching a sermon because it's amazing. I can, I can fashion a sermon in the back of my mind. I can say, okay, this is what God wants to tell people and I go through it and then I watch and I realize God's touching each and every one that will let Him touch them. God desires a relationship. What are you going to do when the trumpet sounds? I could take you to the book of Acts. I believe it's chapter 23. Yeah, verse chapter 23 and verse 23 Paul had been Paul was now before the council he had been imprisoned and he's been going different places as they've tried to you know figure out what they're going to do with the trial and Paul was sent to Felix and when he goes to Felix he begins to talk to them and and he begins to teach them and he begins to preach to them but at the end of that the Bible says in verse chapter 24 verse 22nd Felix, and I'm, again, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Felix, having a rather accurate, no, accurate knowledge of the way, meaning he understood what Paul was preaching. He had heard the word of God, but he put them off saying, uh, uh, when, when he put them off, he says, and actually, I'm, I'm reading the wrong one. Let me figure out where I'm at. It'll get to me in a moment. Well, let me take you there. Paul f- met Felix, the governor. This was his trial. I apologize. I'm in the wrong, wrong place. I marked the wrong one. But Felix goes and he preaches and he teaches to uh, Felix. And what do we always say at the end? Felix says, go away until I have a convenient season. I've heard the word. I'm just not willing to go up quite yet. I'm not willing to get into a relationship with God quite yet. I have family members in my family that they know the word of God and I'll talk to them and they'll say things like this, I know I'm lost and I know I'm not going to go to heaven but I'm just not quite ready to change. What are you going to do when the trumpet sounds? I'm convinced that, that here comes this, this point and I, that, that they're, they're ready. It's been three days. They've consecrated themselves. They've done all of the work needed to be done and the trumpet begins to sound up there on Mount Sinai and that should have represented, that should have uh, allowed each one of them to go with Moses up into the mountain and they would have all heard the voice of the Lord but the Bible says they simply trembled and they stayed. And in staying, can you, can you take the leap? Do you know what they did when they didn't go up the mountain? Does anybody remember what happened when they didn't go? We know that David, in the time that the kings went to war, when David should have been out warring, when David should have been out fighting the battle, he was at home. And while he was at home, he got into some trouble with a lady named Bathsheba. Remember that story? Do you know what the children of Israel did when they should have been up in the mountain in the presence of God? They made a golden calf. And they worshipped the golden calf when they could have been in the presence of God. I hope you're catching what I'm trying to tell you. I hope you're putting two and two together that they could have had the unfettered presence of God. But instead, they they were okay with a horrid substitute. Of a golden calf that they made. What are you going to do when the trumpet sounds? I'm here to tell you today that more than ever, I'm convinced we're getting closer and closer to that trumpet sounding. There are several different things in the Bible, and and it, it, I wish I had time; it'd have to be a whole another sermon. But there's not just one resurrection, if you will. There's not just one judgment. Read your Bible. You're going to find there's several that happen. There's the catching away of all of the saints, those that are saved, and you're going to get to go to heaven. There's a second time where he's going to take up all the rest that remain, and he's going to judge them. There's a judging of the angels and of Satan. There's a judging of of the Jews that are going to come to him, that remnant of the Jews. But we, we kind of all put that together and we always talk about that trumpet sounding. We sing those songs like some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air. Coming after you and me, joy is ours to share. Or we sing I'll fly away. We sing those hymns and we hear that trumpet. The understanding is, and I realize it's not the greatest theologi- uh, theology, but you know, we talk about Jesus stepping on the clouds and Gabriel sounding that trumpet. The dead in Christ shall rise. We that remain shall be caught up. What are you going to do when the trumpet sounds? I've told you stories of my childhood where, you know, you you don't quite understand how it all works and you're scared to death you're going to miss the rapture. I heard a, it was an awful thing, but I heard there was, it was before I went to, to my Bible college but a few years before I went, there was a person at Bible college that was deathly afraid he was gonna miss a rapture. And so they were in the dorm room and all the guys decided to play a mean trick on him. They got up early in the morning and they put complete outfits of clothes on the ground like someone just got translated out of them. They turned showers on and turned the water on and left toothbrushes on the and they all left and somebody got outside his door and they blew a trumpet. And he bolted awake and he ran out, and there's Clothes there and water running. And they said that poor guy ran to the chapel and he's sobbing, crying, thought he lost the rapture. That's mean. But you know what? Sometimes that's how I felt. I would hear sermons, preachers and ministers standing behind the pulpit and they would preach that God is coming soon. And that there's going to be a moment where he separates the sheep from the goats. Where he separates the wheat from the chaff. There's going to be a moment where he separates the sinner from the saved. And I have had my moments where I've gripped the seat in front of me until my knuckles turned white. Scared I was going to miss the rapture. I'm asking today, what are you going to do when the trumpet sounds? Are you going to just tremble? Or will you have been the type of person that when he says, not only have I put my spirit in you. Not only have you had the privilege at a church service or even at your car. I've had people tell me I was driving down the road and the Lord's presence of the Lord was in the car and tears begin to roll down my face. I've had those moments. But this isn't where it stops. Don't get me wrong, I love the presence of God that I felt. But that's not the end result. The end result is one day I'm going to see Him as He is. That one day I'm going to stand on that street of gold and I'm going to walk with Him. What are we going to do when the trumpet sounds? I'd like to tell you the easiest way you'll know whether or not you'll be ready to go or if you'll be fearful is how you respond to His presence here on earth. If in a church service you feel the presence of God like we've been singing begin to draw you, I don't know, it's so hard to put into human language how I feel when I'm in his presence There's just hardly no words to describe I have to, I'm, I'm relegated to use words like It just feels like he's tugging at your heart If you want to know how you'll respond When the trumpet sounds The easiest way is How do you respond When he's here today And the word of God goes forth And you feel something right there That maybe you've never even felt before And you begin to realize You know what I'm not ready to go If he came back now I'm not ready to go up into the mountain. We we, we preached. It was Wednesday when we were talking about the book of Hebrews that, that there's two mountains. There's Mount Sinai and then you have Mount Calvary. Can I tell you today that the Lord would like to take you away from Mount Sinai through Mount Calvary. And the last mountain they talk about, sometimes it's just a figure of speech, but they talk about Mount Zion. And that usually refers to heaven. What are you gonna do when the Lord says, come up? Let me invite you to stand for a moment. You got up this morning and you got dressed, you brushed your teeth, and you came to church today, and I have no idea what your motivation was or why, you know, what you felt when you're here. I'm gonna just by faith say that the Lord has been talking to your heart, that he's been ministering to your heart, that he's been moving. In your life. You've even had moments where you've prayed. No one's really listening. It could be in your own house or driving in the car. And you've been praying or or whatever you can do. Sometimes you don't even know how to pray. You're just sort of talking to God. By the way, that is prayer. There's no special fancy words that you have to say. There's no memorized mantras and chants that you have to do. Prayer is simply talking to Him. And God's been dealing with you. God's been drawing you. And what he's been saying is, consecrate yourselves because I want you to be in my presence. Easiest way you can consecrate your life is repent of your sins. To say, Lord, I've looked at my life and realized that the way that I've lived and the things that I've done are not pleasing, they're not, they're not right. When I look at the Bible, I see that my life and my actions are, are, are not in accordance to your word. So God, when I see it, I see that I'm shaping in an iniquity and sin. and my mother conceive me? Lord, I'm broken. Would you forgive me, God. Would you forgive me of the times that I've lied and cheated, the thoughts I've said, the words that have come out of my mouth, Lord? Would you let me be more like you? Cleanse my life, Lord. I don't want to be this sinner anymore. That's what the children of Israel were doing for three days around that mountain. Bible says that you can be baptized into the precious name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. That word remission, and there's a lot of ways you can look at it, but the easiest way is the removal of your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that you don't have to even be satisfied with just being in the presence of God and feeling God upon you, but you can have the Lord in you. Not just a goosebump feeling, not just a touch, but he said, I want to live in you. And then, if you'll do those things, you don't have to tremble when the trumpet sounds. But you can boldly go to Mount Zion and say, Lord, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to step into eternity because I've made sure I've been in your presence on earth. Would you just close your eyes for a moment as our musicians and praise singers begin to sing. Would you just let God speak to you for just a second.